Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Back in the rugby dungeon after the conclusion of the Autumn Nation series. Absolutely awesome it was too. I'm Tim in the rugby dungeon with JB. Hello Tim. And with Phil. Hello Tim. And we've got two podcasts for you uh, this week. Uh, One of them is JB Heaven and one of them is JB Hell. Indeed. Um, uh, We're going to start with JB Hell. All right. Well, just well, I need to keep the carrot dangling <laughs> to keep you enthusiastic. Bottom, to keep you enthusiastic and in, because otherwise you'll, you'll just. So this podcast is going to be about international rugby, and the other podcast is going to be about Razzie Erasmus, Steve Diamond, George. Yeah, Ford, good stuff. Local rugby, the stuff you want. Well, this has some local rugby, rugby can't it? <laughs> yeah, a little uh, bit of local. Well, where, where did you watch the game? Uh, which game? Uh, England. England at home. Where did you watch it? I watched it on the. I watched the first half on the train uh, and the second half at TalkSport. Oh, uh, nice. Mm. I watched it at Oldham Rugby Club. Which nice. is your, your nemesis. Oh, God, yeah. You don't get anything for free in Oldham. <laughs> we did beat them. Did, the score does not reflect how hard how hard the game was and how hard they are, to be fair. But yeah, finally, after five attempts, I think, I finally got a win, a win against Oldham. In Oldham as well. In Oldham. In their own backyard. I know, I know. So They don't like it up on <laughs> I'm not saying a single thing because I've got to play him again soon. So she's going to go forward. Uh, so yeah, I mean, can I just say I abs- I was almost swore then, but this is how passionate I feel about it. I love rugby so much. Week- weekends yeah. like this, God, what what a weekend! It takes me a little bit of time to get into internationals. Six Nations, I mean, from the very beginning because it's Six Nations. The awesome tests I don't really care about. But then after three weeks of it, you do start to get a bit excited. So they you know, drip feed you these nonsense games right at the start, like Wales All Blacks and Japan played a few you know, early games. England Tonga. Yeah, waste, waste of everyone's time. But then when you get to the actual meaty part of it at the end, it is pretty good, I've got to say. This weekend and last weekend. Yeah. I mean, the, the games, the England-Australia was was not the best spectacle but the Ireland uh, New Zealand game last weekend and Wales South Africa they were awesome games and this this week the England South Africa and the New Zealand France game wow yeah yeah completely completely the France game was my one of my favorite games to watch in years and years and years 
I loved it. I loved every second of it. I love watching the All Blacks get, get beaten. I, mean, I respect <laughs> the All Blacks immensely. But I just... It's like wrestling. You always want the heels to win. Yeah, yeah. And you want, you want the underdogs to win. But yeah. Fr- but all, all France underdogs, they're so well, massive. Well, fr- France, they'd lost the previous 13 encounters. They, they hadn't won on home soil in 21 years, was it? Yeah, 21 years. Right? And in Paris Which, since 1973. Yeah. Something like that. The 21 years, obviously, France beat New Zealand in a World Cup quarterfinal that, w- that France were holding... Hosting, but the game was played in Wales. Yes, it was. I was oh, at that yeah. game. The two thousand. Oh, that's why it was a home. So that was classed as a home. Game. No, it was classed as a home game, but it wasn't oh, on French but it soil. Wasn't on French soil, yeah. Yes. When, when Elisald runs away from the All Blacks to kick the ball out, yeah, yeah. wonderful stuff. Thierry Dessertois tackled everything. Mm, was that? I always get confused because Thierry Dessertois has had two phenomenal games against against the All Blacks. I can't remember if it's that one. So, so both, the, probably both. To be but fair, I think that was the one where he set the he record. scored the try and set the record for. Well, no, the, no, no, the, no, the, no, the no he scored the try in the other one. Yes, yes, he scored the try in the other one, the 2011 World Cup final. But he set yes, the correct. record. Uh, yes, which was 28, I think it because was. Because the try was scored in the Wales game by Jojom. In the Wales game, well, yeah, the one held in Wales by y- Yannick yeah, Jojom. The Cardiff one was the one in Cardiff, 2007. The one where they took their tracksuit tops off and had the trickle T-shirts with Shabal just pulling those faces. No, I don't uh, think. Uh, hang on, which one? Uh, the for 2007. The Not in I Wales. C- they didn't do. That I in Wales. can't remember that. What I do remember was the All Blacks were wearing the same kit. I, I, they were oh, wearing grey kit, yeah. Yeah. yeah, rather than their black kit. No, they because look it, in that game. The front, the French home kit was very, 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 very dark blue, not like this kind of electric, uh, not electric blue, but royal blue, is a better description of their kit this week. Well, I mean, forty points on the All Blacks is delightful to see, isn't it? Delightful. I, I do. I, I always love watching the All Blacks play, and I do love the All Blacks getting beat. Which oh. it doesn't. It doesn't happen very often. It's happened two weeks on the bounce, and both games, France and Ireland, were underdogs going into those games. So, despite everything we just said about how hard it is for France to beat the All Blacks, I think they still have the best winning percentage of any Northern Hemisphere team against, against, the, the, All against Blacks. the All Blacks. Just, just have a look. I, I'm right. So, this is the hacker in the 2007 World Cup quarter final. Is that Cardiff? Uh, this is in Cardiff. Oh, right. New Zealand in the grey kit. France have got their tracksuit tops off on, on in the trickle colours with the t-shirts, and they are. Oh, what is that one? Foot, they are just yeah. a foot away from New Zealand doing the hacker. Oh. That was the the best hacker ever. Do you know? We've signed a trade deal with <laughs> New Zealand, which protects the hacker. What? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like uh, in the trade deal, which covers things like cheese and meat. Uh, the hacker, yeah, the hacker can't be done by anyone else other than sanctioned, I don't know, sanctioned people from New Zealand, allegedly. So it's like a prote- protected commodity, like uh, what have we got? Melton Melton Mowbray Melton Port Mowbray Pies. Port pies. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. The equivalent Cornish pasties. I mean, is that it, a thing? I mean, it is a commercial dance, so you may as well, you know, protect it. I <laughs> yeah, guess. I guess so. Commercial jig. Well, it's definitely valuable because it's, it's the ultimate curtain raiser. I just, I wish they would let them. You're not allowed to do anything though with the. No, hackers. I know it's, it's, so it's annoying. You have to stand all twenty meters away and, and just show right, respect. Watch. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't. Why, why, why should I? Yeah. Why should I? Do you remember when we watched the hacker practice? Yes, in, in Chicago. Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you the remember, time, do you remember, do you remember the that? time when I the, first, the only time I've seen New Zealand live and uh, I missed the hacker <laughs> because you guys wanted to have lunch in Rome <laughs> and, an ec- and one extra glass of very crisp dry white wine. It was, it was, a, lovely, it was a lovely wine, but don't get me wrong. 
<laughs> yeah, that was no, a, so I've never seen a hacker. That was alive. a real. Uh, well, we've seen it uh, in training too, from the owners' box in bloody where Soldier, Soldier Field. Field. Yeah, yeah. So, it's a bit of an eye opener that because you know they perform their little jig very well. I mean, they really practice it, but they have to practice it. They practice it from what I can tell every time they go on the field. So they go out to train, they do a quick hacker, and then r- run about. Yeah, dance practice. Yeah, dance practice. They literally <laughs> do dance practice. That's why they stay so humble. Oh, it was good. It was what, really good. So, so we are. Uh, you can email us contactatechases at gmail and I will pepper the podcast with some of the correspondence we've had in this past week. We're at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. He's at Jay Beardmore. I'm at Cocker. Although I don't, I'm not really on there anymore. Um, and uh, and if you if you haven't already, please hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, yeah, uh, we're, we're patreon.com forward slash egg chasers as well. Thank you and welcome to our new patrons this week. Much appreciated. Yes. You're you mm. keeping the lights on and um, couldn't do it oh, without you, you. You've got a tie to send to someone, Tim. Yes, I right, do. We need well, to sort We've got, we've got some Now, just on France, I, I don't know. I've not looked at the figures yet. Um, obviously, I like a big pack. Everyone does. And I seem to think, when I think of Cameron Walkie, he's an enormous man. Mm. And for him to be. The go-to lineout option for France, I thought, was really interesting because I know he does some good lineout work. But if that's your lineout forward, if that's if, if what you if want a better word, your loose head lock, that's an enormous team. Well, so I don't think Wocky's that big because, as in, yeah, he's, he's, he's say that to his face. He, he's he's massive, but he's not Paul Valemse. Oh, and he's no. not an even Etzebeth, and he's not a lewd. Oh, I don't know. Have you seen his arms? His arms are massive. Unbelievable. His, his shoulders and his wingspan. But yeah. So I just looked him up. Height and weight listed. I'm gonna guess so six six one fifteen. Yeah, in my mind, he's about six six one fifteen. Yeah, about that. He's listed six five one oh nine. So okay. not. Yeah, that's not actually that big. No, it's not that big. But, but, but so last week was the first time he's ever started as a second row. Now he's doing in, a, all in time. professional rugby. Wow! Yeah, do you yeah. like that? Yeah, because he is a back row, primarily. He's a monster. He's an absolute animal. But France have just what's frightening about them is the balance that they've got. Well, for one, it doesn't seem to matter. Well, there's, there's a number of things I find frightening about France. One is it doesn't seem to matter what players they put in. Yeah, they, they all that, just do a job. The depth, remarkable the depth is amazing, particularly like the back row. Yeah, just change it, change it up loads. Awesome. Secondly, it's the age profile of the side. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. They've got a, a, another ten years of being this yeah. good. And the, the, the other, the other element is that is the balance that the the flair and the power and Jonathan Dante. They can mix. Well, yeah, it. they can go and mix it up with South Africa, yeah. or they can let rip like Japan. Yeah, they can play, and they do. What what is quite amazing is they do both of those things in the one game it's not it's not a one or the other it's both depending on the situation because yeah. there's times in this game where they stuck it up the jumper and um, DuPont was box kicking everything and their their kick chase was was very effective as you would expect a Sean Edwards team it to be mm. but there were other times when it was on it was oh. on including like the Intermac break oh, yes from where he carries outrageous. he carries it over his own um, in goal area, hands off two guys he, gassing them. Yeah, he has to run it out yeah. because otherwise it's a five meter scrum. And boy, does he run it out! Oh. And what's amazing, he runs it out and he um, offloads to was it Jaminet? Jaminet, yeah, Mel. Who, who he just big Mel swerves in and big Mel, big Melvin just glides around the outside. And then of course, who is there? How could how could it be anyone other than Antoine Dupont, who's of, mm. who was of course instead of running back to uh, defend a, a kick or play out of his own 
uh, well, in goal area, he is running forward immediately because he knows what Intermac's going to do. Yeah, incredible. That was it. Was so disappointing that it didn't end in a try. It was in- incredible play. Yeah, we need we need more in. More rugby players called Melvin. Oh, a lot more. A lot more. I love it. <laughs> or Percy. Another but, Percy be good. But that says that says everything about not just the French national team, but the whole French rugby. They've geared it towards the national team the last few years. They've got three domestic leagues. Melvin Jaminet made his debut in the summer after get it being after playing in Pro de Dirt last year with Perpignan, who are now mm. in the top fourteen. And he's like to the man aboard, you know. Yeah. As, as much as we're dead excited about Freddie Stewart, and rightly so, and we'll talk about him in a bit, but he's come out of nowhere. Twenty-two years old, second division, Running international about. star. Yeah, and and the composure as well to be slotting the penalty. So he, he got eight from eight in that in that game. Didn't miss a kick. Hundred percent record with that much pressure on him as well. Yeah. Here's an interesting thing about France. To think about. There's been a lot of discussion. Does the top fourteen hurt the French national team because of you know foreign imports and whatnot and they've changed their laws um, also the, say the, the rules of the yeah. competition so on and so forth right great but the turnaround in the French team has been remarkable and it is I think because they've got such competitive league structure that when they do need to turn it on when they do need to open those taps just a tiny bit the results are remarkable. Well, it means there's more players coming through at a better level age 22, 23 because there's, there's a lot of guys had had they had the equivalent of our English Championship, mm. underfunded, not televised, not covered, you know, less money for coaching and all of that, Melvin Jaminet wouldn't have come through into an England squad. Yeah. Well, I think, I wonder if this France team is like the missing piece of the puzzle for French rugby, which is if the club game is flying at the moment and people are going to stadiums and watching it and they've got new TV deals and whatnot, but the international team is somewhat flagging a few years ago. Well, now the international team is flying too. If those two things can work in harmony with each other that is mm. a legitimate rugby superpower probably forever that it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me if it's what France do which make the RFU go hang on a minute maybe we need to do some other things as well yeah um, yeah France, as, as some people have been saying for a while yeah France are at the moment looking very very good uh, it's Stu- that combination yeah Stuart Hamilton Smith has emailed us contacttechchasers at gmail.com hi Stu he says uh, love the pod etc etc blah 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 all that jazz uh, <laughs> Uh, he's just on the subject he talks about England a little bit but on the subject of France v New Zealand uh, he says um, I'm going to rewatch the game on Pornhub mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> filthy Untermac belongs in the Louvre oh, he's Untermac. a beautiful man as well isn't he he is so handsome what a, what a guy what a guy and uh, he loves being photographed in his pants it's like a <laughs> picture, of, yeah. picture of him with DuPont uh, in the in the changing room and he's he's in his shorts which leave very think, very little to the imagination it's almost like the cameras there he's going hold on hold on one second <laughs> whip him down there you go <laughs> well I mean a very famous hot, mostly naked rugby player for almost all his career uh, scrum off for Racing uh, Machinal. Machinal. Lovely name. Love it. Yeah. Well, he, he actually had. Uh, was he some, a model at some point? There was definitely some. Uh, I've definitely seen multiple artsy black and white photos of him basically in the nude. Yeah, yeah, they're mine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember where I've seen them. Have I, have I got them from illicit, through illicit means? <laughs> were, were, was I blackmailing him? What was going on there? Damn it, you've got them. That was, that was, that was my Christmas present to you, sorted, Phil. <laughs> Did you see the. the Pictures of the France team getting off the bus. No, no. So they were they were wearing suits, and it is clearly the French style. And you, I remember this because you mentioned Machino. And when I went to the 
uh, Racing Arena, and they have the big photos of the players before the game, and and what the one of Machinos just the French style at the minute is top button undone tie a bit loose like you've just sort of rolled in about 3am Galtier does that and it looks awesome yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I could pull it off the way they do this is why I like France I definitely so couldn't this is why I don't support any international teams but if I was to support an international team it would be France <laughs> <laughs> apart from maybe Wales no not really <laughs> uh, got an email here from Nick um, Nick Markwell contactedchasers at gmail.com he said um uh, right, I'm just going to jump to this bit. He says, uh, I'm watching the French demolition of New Zealand and a shot of a forlorn DMAC came onto the screen sporting his... Good email, this one. ...ridiculous mullet. I'd noticed how ridiculous... Uh, I, I'd not noticed how ridiculous it was until they started losing every week. It got me thinking that among <laughs> all the consternation in New Zealand at the losses, there may end up being a mullet backlash. <laughs> and whether the future may lead to performance-related mullet permissions being granted by management, your thoughts on this crucial topic would be welcome. Yeah, yeah, because this is, uh, this is. I think there was a comment on last week's pod. Like, you better be good if you're sporting a mullet like that. I completely agree. Yeah, uh, it really makes you think. Really makes you stop and consider things. Like, I've been watching lots of good players who have mullets, and I've not noticed because they're good. Yeah, it's only the bad players that I've noticed. Yeah, fair point. Well made. And there, there were a fair few. I did like the. Uh, tripartite mullet midfield for the Kiwis. Oh. Because uh, Rico Ioani had a bit of one. Yep. Uh, Quinn Tupai had one. Yep. And then David Havili comes off the bench yeah. with one as well. So Same goes on there, doesn't it? So good. I mean, I, I could sort of see it might be. I mean, um, Mark mentioned performance. Sorry, not Mark. Um, that was his surname, wasn't it? Uh, it was. It was Nick. Sorry, um, Nick mentioned the performance related. You, I can actually see when Rico Ioani streaked away for his try. It might be performance related in as much as it's aerodynamic. Yes, yes, Mullet. true, true. Yeah, what's um, what's the name of the? He's not been playing on this tour. I presume he's injured. Uh, Crusaders twelve slash thirteen, blonde mullet. Oh, no. oh Jack Goodhue. Yes, oh, Goodhue. Well Goodhue. Yes. So maybe because he got so many starts with the mullet. That anyone vying for those midfield berths just thinks Muller and I'm in, yeah, which which has been proved by this game. But Ryan Crossy <laughs> was always kind of very clean shaven and neat. Very yeah, high well, that New Zealand side was. I think it's Richie McCaw and Kieran Reid. They're not going to allow no this to go, are they? No, no and they shouldn't. Especially if you're losing. Do, do, yeah, do if you're you winning, you do what you want when you're winning, which you is win. Nick's point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, couldn't so, agree more. Uh, Will so. I can't work out. It, it seems very un-New Zealand to sack a coach midway between World Cup cycles. They don't do it. And they shouldn't. I was going to say, should should they, would they, will they? I don't think they will. Should they is another matter. Now, obviously there's question, there were questions over Fozzie being appointed initially because you're just kind of... You've got this continuation of the, what, the Gray and Henry um, and then... Uh, Hansen. Hansen, Steve Hansen, yeah. yeah, that lineage. It's the continuation, which means, at least to a degree, you've not got the fresh influx of ideas and doing things differently. And one of the beautiful things about rugby is that there are many, many ways to play the game. It's a constantly evolving game, and if you are not at the forefront of that, and if you're not bringing in fresh ideas, then arguably you're going backwards. Mm, I, I'm mixed on this, right? So I'm starting to come to the conclusion that coaching isn't nearly as important as people think. You know, so if you have um, if you have a group of the best players in the world, probably the stability within the organisation is just as important. And you know, 
as long as they're getting to semis, it doesn't matter that much. I know everyone says they want to win, but only one team can win. Uh, the the Italian Serie A teams found this out when seven of them all planned to win Serie A at the same time and all went bankrupt. <laughs> right? Only one can win. So as long as you're getting to the semi-finals, I think generally speaking, you just keep it as it is. And how remarkable is it when you think back to have one continual line of coaches which have not been fired all the way from Graham Henry to Foster and between them they've actually been knocked out of World Cups when they weren't supposed to and they stuck with them so, so yeah I, I don't think they will do but I, I think I think more new ideas is not it shouldn't just be ideas for the sake of ideas yeah. but I think bringing new perspective often helps well Ireland had an idea today which made me turn off the TV uh, team breathing and I was like, right, enough of this, it's going on. Unity breathing. Unity breathing, goodbye. So Not after tries, you get in a circle, you do collective breathing. Yeah, just like we did before the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All gathered in. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm going to shatter your heart into a thousand tiny pieces. Go on. Last uh, last night, France did it as well. No! Yes. No! Someone yes. said to me, it'd be different if France did it. Like, they yeah, of they did. But I, I, I noticed it because I was on TalkSport and... Uh, we had uh, Heather Fisher, it, England and T- Team GB player, and I, I said, Heather, I, I noticed them doing this this breathing thing. Is it like is that common? Do you, did you do you do it? Oh, yeah, we used to do it all the time in sevens. It, it's, it brings the cortisol levels down, and it's what? just it's just a it's a sports <laughs> it's a sports psychology centering technique. No, there's a lot of buzzwords you'll love. No, there. Yeah. Yes, no. <laughs> so France do it, and Ireland do it. Well, France... the two teams that beat New Zealand. Yeah, well, wow. I'm not saying correlation e- equals causation, but I'm going to start doing it. Yeah, Save Your World have got something to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> Save Your World have. Uh, Save Your World must be making money hand over fist. Just from our shout-outs. <laughs> go sign up Save Your World today. Go on. Go, go and sign up and then call us. See what it, you know, no, Give us all the inside goss. Save Your World had a breathing technique, but it was the... Uh, 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 wasn't it? <laughs> that one was Sippers and James O'Connor did. Uh, so, so, I, there's some personal trainers out there, and there's one actually that I know fairly well. A lovely bloke. But the stuff he puts on Instagram is so bizarre. I watched him the other day. Get this. Seven ways to... It's like, how to touch yourself. So, like, love taps on your shoulders. Like, what are you... Just lift your weights. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> it, they're so bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I'm not there's, Yeah, there's so much pseudoscience in, in that environment. Pro science. <laughs> yeah. Did I tell you about... I won't tell you the full story. There was a story about a premiership prop. I won't tell you which club. Um, you're free to guess I might mention it on one of the other podcasts who absolutely lost his mind doing yoga allegedly like why are we doing yoga why are we doing this <laughs> I, I, I can just Ivy like, and Lewis Roberts <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's recent it, it's this season so yeah I, I just don't get it if you're not practicing lineups, what are you doing you can't be practicing breathing surely <laughs> breathing is I mean if that's if you've Got everything else nailed, and you still have hours in the day. If you're every every single <laughs> set piece move, if your if your um, your cardiovascular work is absolutely impeccable. If you, if yeah, if you're, you're Steve at this point, your strength, yeah, yeah. But you can also lift um, 500 kilo. You can set a new deadlift world record. Exactly, every man in the squad. Then you can. Dude. Then well, there might be some merit in focusing here's on the Here's the nutty bit about it, right? You said before. Uh, rugby, new ideas, blah, blah, blah. And I said coaching's not important. And more, well, it is important, but one of the things one of the things about rugby, it's not what you coach, it's what you decide not to coach. Because there's so many ways to play the game. 
you can't do everything. You literally have to exclude bits of the bits of the game, and that's what gives teams teams their, their identity. So because of that, there is no excuse to be doing breathing techniques because you'll <laughs> never complete rugby. There's yeah. always more rugby to be done. Yeah, and even if you think you've completed it playing one way, you will then come up against your yeah. nemesis who plays it a totally different way and will just absolutely batter you. Exactly. So but, uh, speak, speaking of things that were. Um, were, have been excluded from a coaching perspective. South Africa bombed two tries where their forwards broke through and couldn't pass. Do you think that oh, that yeah. is that is uh, so? Etzebeth and Sia Khaleesi yep. bombed two tries. There you go. Well, and, and, and let, let's, let's move on to this because what what a game this was. As this well. is one for the this is one for the history box, right? It was awesome. It was an incredible game, and the way that the momentum swung. From the first half where England scored those two great tries, the, the two Alagi and the Stewart try in the first 20 minutes, and they look great, to then England starting to get a little bit tired, South Africa bring on the bomb squad early in the second half, and then... The I, month- hate, by the way, I hate that phrase, can we not use it? Uh, I just hate okay. it. Uh, yeah, it, well, it doesn't, make it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> if it was they bring on players to do a, a high kick and chase, yeah. Yeah. then I go, yeah, that's the bomb squad. They're, I'd, I'd, they're, they're, they're I have no kick, idea. Catch specialists, but what's the history row? behind it? I can't remember. Some te- tenuous. It was way. all this when it was finishers and uh, what were the other words? I can't. Oh, there was a defeat game, situation. Game changers, game changers, finishers, all of that. It was. It was. It was that basically. Yeah. Well, they brought on more their, non-rugby stuff. They brought on their massive front row replacements. Did you see them in the warm-up beforehand when they the front row A? Doing live scrummaging against front row B, just almost just to sort of flex in front yeah. of the opposition. Go look at us! I tell you what, terrifying. It, they came closer, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, the they, they should have won this game. Yeah, they, they should have won, the won the game. I have never seen an England set piece be taken apart like on one no. weekend. And for that, from about forty-five minutes in, when those the th- their three enormous replacements came on, front row replacements came on, to well, basically for almost the whole of the rest of the game, England were just being. Crucified, and they were being crucified. The lineout was not functioning. Their scrum was getting bullied. Yep. They're getting bullied in contact. They were therefore getting bullied at the jackal at the breakdown. It was all South Africa, and I cannot believe that England found a way to win in those circumstances. Well, it poses an interesting question. So Matt Proudfoot is the scrum coach now, and I don't think that England's scrum has been as dominant as it has in the past. And I don't know whether he was just very good for South Africa because, well, they have their enormous South Africa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look sure. at the depth of those players. Do, do you think South Africa would scrummage significantly worse if I became a South Africa scrum coach tomorrow? Probably not. I reckon. I mean, no, you became the South Africa scrum coach tomorrow. Yeah, no. I, 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 I don't think it would. Uh, it, they're not going to get any worse. Yeah, you, you do that coaching technique where you go. So Ox, what do you think? <laughs> I agree. Yeah. yeah, Stephen, say that again, Ox. We're doing that today. <laughs> Have you ever read about uh, your inner tennis coach? No, which is, which is a book which basically doing written by Eddie Jones. Basically doing exactly that. It's, oh, really? it's saying like, how do you feel? Your like, so, so the the argument is kind of making is that even if you have no idea about tennis or something else, you can coach it by asking the right questions provided you're with a sufficiently experienced player so I would just go, go asking lots of questions to exactly right Bongi and Ox and Kitsoff and Malcolm Marks and Vincent Cox I was about to say that Marcus I completely agree yeah. Malcolm, <laughs> Malcolm sorry Malcolm yeah do, do what Malcolm says yeah so, bearing in mind Matt Proudfoot did do the spring box and I don't think the England the England scrum is going that well I thought the section of Bev and Rod was almost like it's almost suicidal actually because he's not a huge man. 
he's not a dominant scrummager. I've seen what happened when he wasn't emotional enough against, or was too emotional against yeah, uh, La Rochelle. There was an imbalance of emotion. Yeah, yeah, which is why he lost scrummaging at La Rochelle, all emotion, allegedly. Um, so it's all that. But then, if you know you're not going to be able to match the spring box, why bother trying at all? So they won some quick ball, which they did. Bevan Rod's a hell of a player around the park. Yeah. So actually, good it engine makes, on the boy. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to move away from that completely. You, you go hard on things which you might win at, and sacrifice things which you think you're going to be absolutely battered at anyway. Well, and, but he did well. The scrum penalty started in the second half, yeah. Yeah. and he got taken off shortly after the three enormous South yeah. African front row replacements came on. On about Ma- Marla got pumped, which was really unusual. And I wonder if that is because Marla is one of those guys who likes to take people on. Mm. You know, and you know, you're going head on head with those boys. It's going to be a hard day. Work smarter, not harder against South yeah. Africa. Yeah. So if you look at the, the scrum on 60 minutes and uh, Bevan Rod's playing and they get up, absolutely annihilated. Now he brings a lot more around the park than almost every other loose head since Mako probably, who's immense around the park. Yeah. I mean, it is worth noting that uh, prior to this week, Bevan Rob was what fifth choice loose head for England. Yeah, with Genge, uh, Marla, Mako, and then sadly injured Beno Abano, yeah. who, who was in the summer tour squad that ahead of potentially Saracens bound Beno Abano. Is he really? really? Yeah. When do I want to leave Bath? It's weird. <laughs> um, well, he's actually, actually he's, uh, related to Marrow as well, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, cousin. It's his cousin. Yeah. Oh, and do you know the little we remember talking about last week? Jonathan Kapoku going to Leon. Or, or Joel. 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 Is, is it Jonathan or Joel? Which one move? <laughs> Doesn't matter. One of, one of, one of the Kokuri yeah. boys. I told you it was happening. Happened this week. There you go. Nice. Um, yeah, that, that would make sense. And actually, he is one of those props I can see being a legitimate challenge to someone like the Springbok scrum because he's absolutely enormous and very, very strong. Who's that? Beno Abano. Beno Abano. Yeah, although low centre of gravity. Yes. He's a big, strong boy. He, he is... Relatively short for an international front row. But England, England went for it. They had a crack. I mean, again, they played some territory. They they, they played smart. South Africa, like you say, probably should have won. England. I mean, I totally agree with the comment that England showed loads of heart and managed to find a way to win. But there, there seemed to be almost a slight. Well, I was reading the papers today. There seemed to be almost a, a real desire to put it on that. Like uh, there was one article that I read where it said. Uh, England used heart to win. Um, you can't coach uh, the stuff that it was. There was. There was. It seemed to be like people wanted to take it away from Eddie. Like, oh, he had nothing to do with this. We still hate him. He had nothing to do with yeah. it. Yeah, they really. I mean, I'm not a huge Jones fan. Actually, in a way, I am a huge Jones fan because I want to sack him, and that's exactly what he would do. Well, that's exactly what he does to all his coaches. I believe that he's on something when he just continually turns over all, all his coaches for fresh ideas. The problem is, at some point, someone's going to notice that and then want to replace you. I would have got rid of him last year when it was free to do so, just because you know I think cha- change is okay. Mm. Uh, uh, change is okay. Um, I wonder if those journalists are on something because I was looking at our England team and I thought it is rather like a big bang. All of these fresh faces in one go. He revolutionises his team uh, pretty much overnight. Should it have been a more subtle process? I think it probably should have, actually. Revolutionise? I think that might be over the top, that. Raffi, uh, Raffi Smith, off the bench. Yeah, Raffi for S- 10 minutes Stewart, off the bench. Raffi Dolly. Broughton Park's so Dolly, Quirk, yeah. Dolly's injury-induced. Yeah. Cowan Dickey and Jamie but, George. Blamaya, Blamaya. Bevan Rod, Blamaya. Blamaya's Blamaya third choice. In, yeah. would have been on the bench. Bevan Rod, injury-induced. Yeah, yeah, but he's put him in the squad, and he could have gone back on that because there are other players that he could bring so in. The only players that are in the shirt they would have been in if everybody was fit is Marcus Smith and Freddie Stewart. 
Marcus Smith would Marcus yeah. Smith yeah, Marcus Smith yeah. yeah. Although, which, otherwise which, it would have been which total is a, continuity which, which is a revolution but it nevertheless it, it, it well it, we, it wasn't revolution by design no but he has embraced fe- the opportunity like yes. to have a, re- mm, have yeah, a revolution and even those well. two names I mentioned Marcus Smith and Freddie Stewart make a huge difference and yes it's the same thing we talk about the scrum and the, the psychological edge that that gives any team when you're getting pumped it makes you scared to make mistakes and stuff so that will have undoubtedly had an effect equally the psychological effect of knowing that when a team a team especially a team like South Africa kicks the ball fine Freddie's back there albeit yeah. when the pressure came on him yeah you're right he had a couple he of did. fumbles in the last 10 minutes um Overall, not the one that should have been a penalty that where there was a penalty immediately afterwards of the final kick of the game but there was two others where he did fumble besides that I thought he was flawless yeah I think he's excellent he was, he was superb uh, yeah, and I just love the fact that Eddie has actually gone with all these lads I'm, I'm so glad that he hasn't t- you know, turned back time bought in a Vunapola or you know whoever whoever else it may be because there are people available to him he could have gone back for Ford the, yeah, he could have gone back for Ford. The, the rumour was that Vunapola was in France and unavailable. What was he doing there? Didn't make himself available for, for this. Mm. 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 But So one of the things that really impressed me about England was the way, obviously, they scored the tries through um, some amazing back play. And it was amazing back play that was designed around making the South Africa think that Marcus Smith was the target and letting Henry Slade oh, be the target of the boy. ball player. He's been he's been maligned actually by a lot of people. Henry Slade. Henry Slade. There's a lot of people been getting on him. What recently or historically? Yeah, yeah, no, the last few weeks. I've not read that, but I am sort of I'm of the opinion that he was meant to be an England great and he's not hit those those heights yet. And I wouldn't, you know, some of that was because of his positional stuff. I thought he had a great game, though. He was also. He yeah, had a great game. And the way that I thought it was very, very smart attack play from England to use him. The, basically, Marcus Smith was the decoy to give Henry Slade the opportunity to play ball. And for both the Max Mallins break down the right wing. That was ace. Uh, for the, what led to the Tuolagi try. And I think it was the, um, the Quirk try. Yeah. Was all by. Having Marcus Smith as the decoy runner to allow Slade to play ball. Yes, and about, bearing in mind that was certainly a change-up play because all ordinarily um, you would have Slade, Marcus and Tuolagi. So you'd have two decoys, Marcus and Tuolagi. And to do it in that way and disrupt what is, well, probably the most settled and the most defensively consistent uh, three-quarters line in international world rugby was very, very smart and very impressive. Now, now you've got one answer for this. You've got World Cup final tomorrow, uh, and you're not allowed to change change your options. England are in it. Slade and Marcus, or Ford and Farrell. You, you, those are your only options. Uh, who's, who is the third man with those? Um, whoever you want. Uh, so can I have... Slade, Marcus, and Faz. Uh, no, <laughs> One, that, those two or those two. If well, t- so let's just say with Tuilagi. Well, yeah, Tuilagi is your third man. Tuilagi is fit as your, as your third man. Let's just say if you yeah, because that gives consistency. I'd go Slade and. Uh, Slade I love and I love Slade that much. Yeah, I'll go Slade and Marcus. <sighs> I love Henry Slade. Come on, Phil. Pressure's on. Fucking hell, that is a hard decision. He's a left foot. Excuse me. He's a left Excuse foot. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's, all right. that's very unlike you, Phil. <laughs> it's, it's a very, very hard decision. Give me, give me 
Magic Marcus. To play a World Cup final tomorrow over the England captain. Oof, all no, the, all only because again, oof, that's only because oof, the, that, that that contrived situation you gave me. Yeah, I, I would have, I would have, Slade, Marcus, and Faz. Okay, yeah, so would I. How uh, by putting him at thirteen? No, by putting Slade at thirteen. Yeah. yeah, sorry, him being Slade. So just on that though, isn't the idea that having different skill sets allows Slade to be so good? So he either had the very fast option of. Can't remember his name now. Marchant. Marchant, thank you. Or he had the power of Tualangi. When you throw Farrell in there, does that have the same the same dynamic? Well, exactly in exactly the way Phil just mentioned that when England had the most fruitful moments in attack, it was when Marcus Smith created space for Henry Slade. Last week it was Owen Farrell creating space for Marcus Smith to be the decision maker. Yes. Yeah. And last week when they played Tualagi on the wing, as Basically, that roaming option gave him a lot more freedom because he wasn't expected to drop deep for kicks. You had Faz doing it at times, Slade doing it at times. So it gave him free reign to pop up wherever he wants, which is also... I mean, it wasn't the best game last week, but that is uh, unnerving for a defence to basically always have to know where Manu Tuolagi is and he can pop up anywhere, in any position at any time. It is still very annoying for England that we talk about... Slade, Ford, uh, Marcus, Farrell. You talk about all those boys, but the the, st- the straw that stirs the drink is still Manu. Although he went off early, and yeah, England still off, managed to yeah. find a way to win. Well, after, after he after he scored the tries, win the game. Yeah, <laughs> but nonetheless, the have his try, you don't win. When when a lot yeah. of people saw Tua Lang Tua going off injured and Joe Marchant coming on, people would have been thinking, Oh, no, 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 Joe, Joe Marchant was on. Oh, sorry, Joe Marchant was on. Max Malin's coming on. How's this going to work? He Max Malin's was great. He was great. He's such a good player. He I, really is, isn't he? He's such a classy player. Such a cla- that, that take where the little trip over the top and he reads it, predicts the bounce perfectly, hits it at full pace, and then kicks for the corner. He is England's awesome. of um, of Patronode in France. Patronode? No, it's Patronode. Uh, P- um, completely different players. Very, very different players. players. But they seem to do no wrong. So yeah. everything they do seems just to work and that's what he's very good at he just seems to pop up at the right time make the right decisions do something a bit flashy he's yeah, brilliant he is awesome I, I I think I said it earlier in the season when his form was so good for Saracens that I'd, I'd want him starting but then I don't know who I'd be dropping to make him start because there, there are some serious serious options right across the what, team he's such a complete player and I think you know he's very much he's like a very fast Henry Slade yeah I think that's probably a good way to put him because he can play 10, he can play fullback. Distribution's great, his I, kicking is great. I assume if you can play 10 and fullback and wing, you can probably play 13 and 12. Basically, Presumably. yeah. Just a great footballer. Yeah, yeah it's brilliant. Quality, quality. Uh, just just on the, um, a couple of things I noticed with the broadcasting on, um, on the telly, go. Brian Habana. Obviously, the. Uh, can you. Yeah, are you going to explain this to me? No, one second. The the Northern Hemisphere is obviously rubbing off, uh, rubbing off on Brian over the autumn series because it, it, he referred to Joe Marchant in a, as if he was French, Joe Marchant, <laughs> which I like, and uh, Jesse Creel as if he was Scottish, Jesse McCreel. Oh right, <laughs> which I really like. There, there might be an in joke there. I don't know. Well, I think it was an accident. But anyway, uh, what were you going to say? Explain this to me. Yeah. Okay. So he, I was listening to him. I had to listen to him again. Because one of the things he said just baffled me. He said that South Africa were running a washing machine defence. 
Oh, yeah, he did say what that. What on earth does that mean? <laughs> so I was waiting for the analogy to un- unveil itself, and it didn't. Like, what, yeah. what do we think he meant? I can't even, I can't even begin to imagine what a washing machine defence does. It's things to do with the outside coming up quick. Uh, does your washing machine do that? I don't know, it's got a rinse cycle. Yeah. <laughs> it's a washing machine, not dishwasher. So it's, it's very, a very precise analogy. I just, I was sitting there thinking, I, couldn't, I cannot work this out for the life of me. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And the, the, one other thing on TalkSport as well. I couldn't get the audio because you can't li- do listen again uh, to match commentaries, unfortunately. But, but Andrew McKenna, or when it was a, uh, it was when Rafi Quirk scored his try. Is he going to jail? He said, uh, Andrew McKenna, Twickenham is literally bouncing. <laughs> jail. <laughs> I mean, Phil, you're in construction. Oh. How, how masterful an achievement is that for the engineers of Twickenham Stadium? So when... Um, when uh, Bridgewater Hall in Manchester was built, it was built on springs mm. to stop the vibration running through the structure of the built to basically dampen the reverberation and feedback of the sound. Now, as far as I'm aware, that hasn't been done at Twickenham, but if it were done, it would be an incredible feat of engineering. It'd be unnecessary because it's open roof as well. Um, but it, it's Technically possible, but How highly unlikely. It might be why the East Stand was so over budget. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I've got a question for you, right? And this might be your way to the top of Lango Rocknell. So <laughs> feel free to bank it. What stadiums where you have an inbuilt slight vibration for when you score? So it feels, <laughs> it feels like it's really rocking. Like, like the, literally, but it is literally rocking. Like the Rumble Pack for the N64. Exactly like that. Exactly. For a stadium. Oh, I love that. So just just a little, like a low rumble. And now you're, only, you're talking. You only turn on, I think, when it's a packed house. It'd be a bit silly if you started rumbling it, you know, at Worcester when they've got five guys there. But <laughs> I think that'd be a cool feature. That's a great feature. Link it, and, yeah, you know, rumble Pack small, Stadium. You could link it up to the lights. You could link it up to the sound, sound systems that rumbled with, with the noise. Yeah. So when um, at Welford Road, where just when Leicester come out and they play their... Dun, dun, yeah. Dun, 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 what song is that? Smoke uh, on the smoke, Water. Yeah. yeah. They play Smoke on the Water. In the Crumbie stand, everyone does the stomping. Yeah. And you do get... Because it's an old wooden... Yeah. You do get that kind of feel. It's great. Yeah. That's what we need. Can you, get, can you make that happen? Um, I mean, I guess I can... Propose it. Should I email Dummies? Dummies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you might as well. Okay, I've done. Just just get on the phone to Mr. Lang and Mr. O'Rourke. 
Uh, Mr. Mr. O'Rourke. Mrs. Ray. Mr. Mr. O'Rourke. As Phil calls him, just Ray. Ray. Excellent. Good. Revolutionary Stadium today. Now, we, we have spoken about England quite a bit. South Africa should have won this game. South yeah. Africa, South Africa. Andre Pollard missed those kicks. Miss, he misses two kicks. Even at Sabeth and Sia Khaleesi, like you said. Bombed two tries. They were... They should have been scored. They should have scored. And they, they, my point is slightly flippant, but that pack is so amazing. But are they spending all of their time on set-piece, destroying set-piece, scrummaging, jackling, when just a little bit, just one session of, like, two-on-ones um, once a week would have converted those two tries. And does having such a powerful, potent weapon of a pack mean sometimes they just forget you've got you've got other things unbelievable gas out wide. Yeah. Uh, Yes, I think it's... Oh, yes. So, the beautiful thing about um, Chesson Colby is he's sort of like an independent attacking weapon. You know, you don't need to worry too much about it. He's going to do do what he does. So you can do all your hard, horrible stuff knowing you've got his independent attacking weapon outside. He sort of does a lot of that. So when he's not playing, they actually instantly lose a bit of um, a bit of a bit of a bit, bit of a cutting edge. Yeah, but, because he can just go from anywhere at any time. Yeah, and like, so for Leicester Tigers, and we'll talk about him later. Like George Ford, you don't really need to do too much attacking work because you know Joe Ford's going to be running the show, or Danny Cipriani will be running the show, or something, something, something like that. So I think there's an element of that. I also think. Um, South Africa suffered from what Wales used to do, but sort of the reverse, which is Wales used to stay in the fight uh, and then hopefully try and snatch it at the end. And if you play very tight rugby, occasionally you, it'll get snatched from you at the end. And that's what they did. You know, they yeah. were looking for the points, they were <coughs> kicking well, um, mauling, slowing it down, beating people up. It doesn't lend itself to scoring a lot of points, but it is a slow, grinding effort. And it's a slow, grinding effort that the past two weeks has seen them win close close games by suffocating the other team and yeah. they were so close to doing it and it, it was it's fine margins if I can't if um, Pollard kicks one of those two kicks or they finish one of those two tries they win this game and they, they actually in, would in the end win it comfortably I can't understand the mindset of watching that game or Springboks I know sometimes Springboks do produce boring games but like how that is not celebrated just as much as the All Blacks, because that spectacle at, at Twickenham was as good as anything because, oh. of, because of the styles. Yeah, it, it was. It made for an incredible. And then you've got the history that sits behind it as well. Yeah, and obviously the of the last four games that they played, England are now one three, but England lost the only one that actually counts. Yeah, it's true. That's very very true. Uh, and it's quite interesting in the build up to the game as well. Eddie Jones, you know, just lost his mind a little bit. Uh, you know, backing backing his pack, saying you know we're not a weak pack. There's going to be eighty two thousand. It was Sia Khaleesi was asked about. That's what Eddie Jones said they think we're weak, and then uh, they said to Sia Khaleesi. So Eddie Jones said you think that we. And Sia Khaleesi said, uh, "I literally don't know where Eddie's got that from." Really, <laughs> and he literally meant it. Oh wow! So he said that we nobody has said anything which suggests that. So I think this is mind game. It'd be me. so much better if Sia Khaleesi said, "Yeah, we think they are." <laughs> <laughs> I, but C, C is too nice. If, it, they've, if they've got Malcolm Marks or Kitsoff, maybe. What's more, what's more di- disrespectful? Saying your team is weak, or saying the opposition team is weak, or lying about the opposition team? <laughs> like, which one is it? <laughs> I've got, got a message here from Alex Albertin. Nice one, Alex. Contact at gmail.com. 
Uh, he says he's a South Africa fan, has zero complaints about the result, and in fact, what a game. Completely agree with that, Alex, and uh, well done for taking it so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, I was wondering your guys' thoughts on the competing in the air versus tackling in the air. As, for example, both Khaleesi and Marchant, Marchant uh, went up for the ball, and it seems that the only difference is that Marchant jumped higher. So my question is, what's the coaching point? Using, yeah. using your language Stay back on the ground. Uh, E.g. what should what should Khaleesi or anyone in that situation do differently and Elizabeth had one as well which I thought was really unfair the yeah. last penalty the, of the game was really unfair we do th- I, oh, I, th- I thought that was okay the last penalty because he didn't actually give it for the challenge in the air I think he gave it for going off the feet of the subsequent rook correct and then they went oh, did they not look back at it and give, give the penalty they get, that was the first penalty and it goes on the big screen and Elizabeth said why are we bothering doing this they got a second penalty. And it's second penalty. And they chose, do you want that one or that one? And they uh, chose the one in front of yeah. the sticks. So he would, we would have been penalised regardless. But, so yeah. It, it, comes, it comes back to something that happened three weeks ago. And this, the Khaleesi decision, which I don't particularly like, actually, mm. was at least consistent with the Tonga. It was, I want to say it was Walter Fafita, but I think it was actually the other winger, um, on Johnny May. Mm. Where Johnny May, they both get off the ground. They were both... They both would have been in a realistic position to catch the ball if um, Johnny May and, in this case, uh, Marchand weren't the opposition who just happened to have the ability to jump significantly higher. So there's a relativity aspect that makes it unfair. Yeah, and I don't like that. I don't like he wasn't in a realistic position to catch the ball. It's like. He's a professional rugby player. He knows the positions to be in. And had the other player not been six inches higher. He would have caught the ball. Yeah, yeah. it's completely realistic. That's, I hate that's, that wording. It, it means you've got to, you've got to know exactly who you're. The implication of it is means you've got to know exactly who you're jumping against. And if you can jump higher than them, you can go up. If you can't jump higher than them, you've got to go. Da- and you've got you've to make got that to, decision. You've got in to, an international rugby game in milliseconds. In it, yes, and that, it just seems an unfair um, standard to put on a player. I know these are highly trained very perceptive rugby players at the peak of their powers but this just feels like it is too much because that that's Sia Khaleesi if it was and I made this point the other week if it was Will Stewart was the opposite man Sia Khaleesi is in the air higher than Will Stewart would have been in the air yeah. so Will Stewart would have taken Sia Khaleesi out so there's this relativity mm. aspect of it that just seems unfair so I, I think Khaleesi was hard done by there yeah I agree with that. But, the, I mean, what was the penalty count? About 20 20 for England, yeah. Yeah. I've never seen a team manage to grind it out with Amazing giving did that. With thinking it through. Now we've broken it down a bit. Giving that many penalties That away. many penalties. But, again, it was, it was a, a number of things went England's way. The Andre Pollard missing his kicks... Those two uh, bomb two tries. Two bomb tries. And that's the, two, the, that's the, the game The two early tries as well. Yeah. The two early tries before... Um, getting points on the board before South Africa's dominance, physical dominance came into play. Yeah, you're that, right. That that did make a, a real difference. It's quite unlike South Africa to an and fair play to England for being clinical. Two attacks, two tries. Mm. And the Rafi try. Oh, and Broughton Park's Rafi quirk. Do you know Saul Quirk, dad of uh, of Rafi, was uh, was watching a game at Broughton Park t- today and listens to the podcast really? as well. Does he? Mm-hmm. Oh, good man. Um, and follows the podcast actually because uh, good lad uh, because um, he was yeah he was obviously, obviously at Twickenham on what day but he was his Rafi's sister was playing I think under 18's game so oh, awesome. back, back in Manchester so uh, yeah 
Excellent stuff. Hopefully a slightly sore head this morning. And, uh, and Rafi Quick did get mentioned in the little team huddle before uh, the Broughton Park under-14s went out for their big games. Like R- Rafi did the business yesterday at Twickenham. You go out and uh, do the club proud today. And they did, no again, pressure. against Mark Atkinson's Sedg- and Phil's Sedgley Park Tigers. Ooh. Now, 25-10. I've just read a tweet. Nothing, nothing to do with rugby at all. That I just sort of threw, threw it out there. Nice yeah. To do with breathing? No. <laughs> to do with how you spend your life, right? So... What do you think you spend your what What do you think in total the activity is that you spend most of your not most of your life the most time doing sleeping correct yes second to that uh, working yes so twenty six years sleeping thirteen years working is that is that it mind you complete years yeah yeah so, so you, eight hours a day five days a week four so if you double thirteen 30 years, yeah okay that makes years. sense uh, next one podcasting podcasting yes. <laughs> <laughs> 12 years of podcasting. Um, uh, Sometimes it feels like it. Number three is seven years trying to fall asleep. How annoying is that? (laughs) That, that, I I identify with that so strongly. Do you? Oh, God, I can't sleep for... I never can sleep. I'm... I'm, Sleep normally asleep within minutes of getting into bed. Did you you listen to that? If you can get through... You had to get through an hour of listening to two guys talking about hunting, but there was a Joe Rogan podcast with a guy who's a longevity scientist. Yeah. And it was fascinating listening to that. Oh, it is. I found all that stuff interesting. It was really, really interesting. Is that a recent one? Yeah, uh, Peter Atiyah. And, um, yeah, he was... They do go... He was talking about the the importance, just the the physical effect of of sleep and... Uh, There was a recent... Yeah. I've listened to both Sam Harris on sleep and also Ross Tucker Science of Sport podcast. He's on done a couple on sleep. Facet, yeah, really Bo- interesting. Bodybuilders swear by it. Sleep swear by it. Yeah, Recover- because recovery. Yeah, it's when they build their muscle. Yeah, so they've got to get to bed. They've got to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Reco- recovery. It's actually one of the things that I probably wasn't as good at when I was playing rugby. Was recovery. Mm. I think I overtrained and under-recovered quite, quite a bit. It wouldn't surprise me. But mind you, when you're young, you can do that. You can, but it also led to loads of injuries to, for me. There is that There is that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, falling asleep. I, I mean, those, those are like bro, bro science. But I do think there's something about people who can sleep easy, like, really quickly, just get off, and then being more successful. Because it's, you know... It's been hours, years, not well, not sleeping. We talked the other week about Mark Wahlberg's schedule. Yeah, <laughs> getting up at two thirty a.m. and he's in bed by half seven. Or something ridiculous. What a stupid schedule! I've never said it before. It's so stupid. Anyway, yeah, uh, incredible game. Well played, England. And uh, what a game! Yeah, um, I mean. South Africa can console themselves by just looking back at the World Cup final and a hundred percent. I'd rather have had that one. Now we, we will we will talk in length about Razi Erasmus in length on, at, on the next on the pod, other podcast because we want this podcast. because let's just stay as positive we ca- as we can. And that was one of the things I actually said when I was on Talk Sport last night covering the France New Zealand game. We got to the end and went and um, the commentator uh, mentioned Razi Erasmus. I went. Do you know? I've been listening all day. No, Nobody's mentioned Razi Erasmus, and that says everything the about the rugby. Yeah. Yes, 100%. But so we'll mention him, him in length in the next podcast. But did you see his tweet? No. Yesterday. No, oh, with the Guinness. Well, not a Guinness, but it's eight seconds long. It is just him. It says, Well done, England, and drinking. What is probably. No, it's not a Negroni, you can tell from the quote. It looks like a whiskey and soda, something like that. Yeah. 
That's it. Eight, That's sec- it. eight seconds well, long. Before, Massive before South the game, flag. he said. Before the game, it was a picture of a Guinness, and uh, he said, "I think these two months might go oh. by quite quickly." Is he on full pay? Oh, we'll talk about it later. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, talking of, about Guinness, when Talk H won this week, so I had, I was forced into playing on the wing this week. So last week tight a prop, this week wing. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no me. big deal. No big deal. Get you a man who can do both. Exactly right. So in the front row. I always bring front row beers, the most disgusting um, ales that I can find for the boys because we've just done a disgusting job, so we're now we're going to d- enjoy disgusting beers together. Nice. It brings, us, it brings us closer, and we have to find the wor- And now we take it in turns buying the worst beers. Love it. And you have to have them. You ha- it's not negotiable. Because um, I was in the back three, I bought my cocktail set, and we had <laughs> back three, b- uh, bon- I think, Bolvideers? 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 Basically, it's a whiskey Negroni, and it was awesome. Ah, uh, someone has told me about it's a awesome. whiskey Negroni in the past. Yep, bought, bought my own garnish, my little uh, orange skin, bought my crystal glasses. Uh, can we just take stock as well? Because the, the whole Negroni thing, I, I've... It's definitely us. It's I, definitely it's us. It's definitely us, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's definitely us. It 100%. Came, it, I mean, it, yes, it was a cocktail for a long time, but I never, ever heard it mentioned... Yeah, we bought. We it went back. big on the we went big on the Gronies, and slowly over the years afterwards, it has just become a staple. Yeah, just absolutely gone wild. Yeah, it shows what we it shows the impact that we have on the yeah. popular culture. Hundred percent, it's true. Mm. It's true. Um, and what, it's I quite, a, what I quite liked about that is when um, some people in the the rugby sphere that uh, maybe don't align with our views start. Took to Twitter to uh, to say Negronis are they're disgusting. They're disgusting. What people are just it's it's, to, it's mas- toxic, toxic masculine, masculine, masculinity gone wild. to pretend it's gone wild to pretend you're like a Negroni in a glass. <laughs> toxic masculinity. In the, that's my cocktail. Yes, toxic masculinity. <laughs> I think uh, the reason I hate it so much is because I do so much in rugby. And so I think that's it. So too much not, rugby. Not a Belvedere. It's a. Uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but Boulevardier. Boulevardier, that's the one, sorry. Which is effectively a cross between a Manhattan and a Negroni. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Manhattan's it's, awesome. I do so love it's money. different ratios, interest, interestingly. Two parts American whiskey with one part each of sweet vermouth and Campari. Yeah. Whereas a Negroni is, of course, equal parts. Yeah. yeah. Sweet red vermouth, Campari and gin. I, I happened, I, by accident, I stayed, uh, when I went to New York uh, with the missus years ago, we, we happened... In the little package we got with Virgin Virgin Holidays or whatever, we stayed in the the Roosevelt Hotel, which is where in Mad Men Don Draper goes to drink his Manhattans. Awesome. So I took great nice. pleasure sitting at that same bar, ordering a Manhattan. Love it, nice. Well, I've got some Woodford Reserve for my Boulevard. Say again. Uh, Boulevardier. Boulevard. Boulevardier. Boulevardier. So it's Boul B O U L E, and then all one word V A R D I E R. So in the next changeover. From so in the change from this podcast to the next podcast, I'll go and get the Woodford Reserve out. Perfect. Oh, incredible! Right. So, okay. I, so in, speaking of drinking cocktails where they're intended to be drunk, I drank a, a Singapore Sling in yes, Raffles, which is the in, in Singapore the um, historic. Well, I think it was a beach house originally, but mag- absolutely magnificent really? old um, colonial style uh, Victorian era hotel. In nice. the centre of Singapore. So wonderful. Fr- on the other podcast as well. When you yeah. do that, we, we got some emails about uh, drinks that people have created. Which oh we yes, 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 yes. Which we'll, we'll do that there as well. Uh, yeah, because uh, one has come in from Rugby Rugby Club as well. So uh, nice. 
uh, which is now going to be referred to as a Ridgely. Ridgely. Like it. Uh, so to the Principality then, I guess. Yes. And I'll tell you what, let's just let's start, because we've just finished with the, the, the question about the tackle in the air. Let's just talk about that moment with, with Nick Tompkins' try, which just... What, it was what, such a strange moment. What played, a world-class... Play to the whistle. Yeah. And a world-class piece of officiating. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. There's as many times where tries have been spoiled incorrectly by the referee blowing up prematurely. Yeah. Well, that was the first thing, because I thought, <laughs> as Nick Tompkins was running in, I thought, fair play ref, because at the very least, he's given himself both options. Yes. Yeah. yeah but yeah, as yeah. it turned out, you're completely right, JB. It was world-class officiating. Like, what a spot that is, because just the fact that the player's arm is out, to me, that looks like a yellow in, card. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah if that yeah, had happened in a lower league, if well, that had happened yeah. Tock H against uh, Oldham, you'd be, be out, you'd be livid if the ref had given, let that go. Yeah. And, and ten minutes before, Kirtley Beale is in the bin for a similar offence. Yeah. So you could very easily see, well, just, it's it's almost identical to something I've seen ten minutes ago, which was a yellow card, therefore this is a yellow card. And guess what? It is literally almost identical. <laughs> it is literally almost identical. Yeah. It is, it's so close. It feels like it's against the spirit of the game, yeah. in a way. It feels like it shouldn't be allowed, but, you know, it, it was, of course, it's, it's absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't knocked forward. That is the, the clear delineator between a knock-on and not a knock-on. Yes. I, could almost, I almost felt sick thinking about the Australian fans watching that. Because... Natural law and justice suggests that, that should be a yellow card. Like you just see it, you're like yellow yeah, card. Yeah, yeah. But the horror. He's got to go. Yeah. Got, and then you realise oh it's not gone forward. Oh god! Oh god! It's gone backwards. <laughs> yeah. But we saw it last week um, where um, Will Jordan stopped playing when he thought there was a knock on that wasn't. Yeah. That should have actually been a try or certainly a significant break to Ireland because of the way they handled it. I'm sure they did the same thing. They just stopped. They, they, you can never stop in a game like that. It's ludicrous. It's such a schoolboy error at that that standard. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and Dave Rennie was not happy with the officiating to the extent that he came out and said as much. He he said he had no complaints about the red card. By the way, uh-huh. mm-hmm. that's, that's good. But he said he was uh, very very unhappy with the officiating. And, uh, and I think one of the things they think they got wrong was was that moment. But Dave, Dave Rennie's wrong if he thinks that. Yeah, that I, I do understand the frustration because he's just hoping it gets blown up straight away. But once it's gone and you've got to go to the screen, it turns out you've got to make the right decision according to the law book. Yeah. So unlucky. Yeah, and a, ultimately a good win for Wales, but Australia again could have won this game if it's not for that last minute penalty, the Priestland penalty. In Australia, they played most of the game 65 minutes with well they played uh, 10 minutes with 13 men and 65 minutes with 14 men what is it about Wales at the minute it's like their their man of the match in any given game is the red card (laughs) for the last year I know this this is not exactly the best take on things but they're a very lucky team this is the luckiest team I've ever seen they've got they they fluked their way to a grand slam how do you do that? <laughs> well, the, the jam slam. Yeah, yeah. As people called it. <laughs> it, it. Completely. They're winning, like, but they're winning, and that's all that counts. Uh, yeah, that's all that counts. They're it, winning. It is, yeah, yeah. You, you look back, I mean, they didn't win. You could argue they were unlucky to lose against South Africa, particularly because of that one moronic spectator who worked his way onto the pitch when Liam Williams is breaking down the left wing. Um, now, I... It probably didn't change the game because the tide was already going away and I don't think Williams would have got in there but you could argue they were unlucky in that 
but they have been lucky a number of times. I'm not even sure what Wales do well, actually. I mean, they're just they're quite well balanced. I think they, they sort of do everything to an okay standard. It wasn't a great autumn for them, but they've got a whole team's worth of players out injured. Yeah, yeah but so does everyone. And I wait, never no, but, buy this. but one of the things you've all well, yes, I know. So I'm not saying that is. Don't judge it on its merits. What I'm saying is one thing we've that everyone's always pointed out is that Wales have a real chronic issue with depth. Except, yeah. except anyone in the back row where they where they've yeah. got more play, more players than any international team. But in, in in a lot of positions, Wales do not have depth, and they've been forced into a position where there's a lot of guys that Wayne Pivac can say, "Yeah, you can do a job at international level." Well, you know, same as Scotland, aren't they? Uh, maybe Ireland have got the depth now to sustain, you know, consistently world class teams. The Wales never had, but you know, I think in a way it does help. Seems you said this the other day. About England's back row, if Scotland have three back rowers, they're really happy because that's the back row sorted. Whereas England, they're continually chopping and changing because they've got so many options. It does work. Uh, it does work both ways. Having a smaller play- player pool, mm-hmm. maybe Wales is is maybe a touch too small. Scotland is a bit too small as well. Would you say Scotland's got a small? I mean, it has got a smaller p- player pool objectively than, than Wales in terms of yeah. players and clubs, um, um, clubs and yeah, whatnot. Absolutely. Yeah, Scotland, they definitely do. Um, they do have the advantage of having players uh, not hating. They've got a union who don't hate the fact that players play outside of Scotland. Yes, and that does help. Yes, it it does help. It helps to a degree. It also does hinder to a degree because Stuart Hogg, for example, will be playing for Exeter the week before he's captain in Scotland. Yeah, do you know? Like, can you work this out for the life of you? Rhys Priestland kicked the winning points, didn't he? He's mm-hmm. thirty-four now. So he's good enough to play for Wales now. Well, he is because he just played. He just, and, he, he, and he, he won the game. Is. Yeah, um, and he won the game. And then before that, he was playing for Wales. And then he has a little stint at Bath where they don't have him at all. How does that help the national team? If he was good enough before and good enough after, you've just removed an international ten from your consideration. It's nuts. And you've got now a thirty-four-year-old taking the place of what could be a twenty-one-year-old on the books. Exactly. Exactly. I will never, ever know what this is about. I mean, I guess it's all about, you know, falsely making the unions competitive by, um, you know, taking money off your players. Falsely taking money off your players, making them accept rubbish contracts in the various regions. Also, Wales are like clap like sea lions for them. Market rate contracts. Market rate contracts, of course. Mm. Uh, There is... It's not all bad, because... Having your players available for the two weeks prior to international windows and them not playing, I don't know, Stuart Hogg not playing away at Saracens the week before you're going to then be facing South Africa I just think is handy. It's very handy, but, but it's not just. Is it, it's not the. It's so much um, commitment for what, three games in the autumn in the Six Nations. That's it. Yeah, and you've got to model your whole club career around this I, just, I don't think it's worth it I think they're probably better off playing very competitive club rugby before they go into international camp rather than being continually rested all the time that said they are Six Nation champs and they have won a Grand Slam and they've just beaten Australia having so. the flexibility to do it is is useful that's one thing you can say with Ireland uh, they'll wrap Johnny Sexton or have done over the years wrap Johnny Sexton up in cotton wool and the year he won World Player of the Year with awesome international performances yeah. 2018 was that he um mm-hmm. He played about seven yeah. games for Leinster. Yeah. yeah. Basically plays... All the, the big the, games. The knockout games. And a couple of the interpros. Yeah, Adam, yeah. Adam Beard, Seb Davis, those sort of lads. I'd love to see him in the Prem, see what they can come up with. It'd be mm. brilliant. 
It'd be good for them as well. It would be awesome for them. But no, Wales no better. What other games did we have this week? Ireland hammered uh, is there Argentina. Anything to, in, anything, to, uh, anything to say on Australia? Or I mean, Australia have now lo- they've lost all their games. God, they have, haven't they? Have they? Yeah. Did they not beat Scotland? No, they lost to no, Scotland. They lost to they Scotland, lost Scotland. Lost to England. Lost to Wales. They got like a reverse triple crown. Well, <laughs> what would you call that? Well done. I mean, um, goodness <laughs> me, that's uh... Paisami though. I like. I do like him. Paisami and Ikitao look yeah. awesome. Those two and. Valentini, I know he didn't play. He like, played the first fourteen minutes before getting red card for head clash with Adam Bird, but he's looked awesome in this tour. Yeah, it's, I guess it's the risk of a player like that who's so physical, who wants to smash everyone. You are occasionally going to catch Nick, someone in the head. Nick White looks great as well. Nick White looks great. They are. Oh, he looks great and he plays well. <laughs> Amazing moustache. Wing, wing commander. Um, White. I think. I think they have missed um, Karevi and Quade Cooper. In these games, um, obviously they beat the uh, well, beat world South player Africa. of the year nominee Samu Karevi. Samu Karevi, five games, <laughs> five games outside of the top league in Japan. Incredible, absolutely incredible, and not a single South African. Yes, amazing. And that announcement came about two days before the Razzie yeah. verdict. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't help itself. I mean, does it? I think. I think Siakisi definitely should have. Um, been one of the nominees. Why? Why him? I, th- I, think, I think he's been awesome this year. He's been good. I, th- I think he's been in the Lions th- tour. He was great. I, th- I think actually this is the best I've seen him play uh, in terms of his physicality and yeah. his, his and his running game. Ball carrying. Yeah, ball yeah. ball carrying and running game. I think has been the he's best, great the best I've the ever Lions. seen of him this year. I guess. Well, obviously he's captain, so they say they must think he's pretty good. Um, the two second rows are awesome, but actually those two second rows are. Part of a quad of second rows who are awesome, and I guess it'd also be pretty hard to give it to the front row because they're all interchangeable with other awesome front rows. Yeah, any one of the front rows, it, it'd be very difficult to single out any one of them. Uh, I, if I was looking at that World Player of the Year shortlist, I would trade uh, Karevi for Kalisi. Yeah, I think that's fair. Actually, just thinking it through. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm just trying to think, who was the other? So the the four: Michael Hooper, Antoine Dupont, Maru Itoji. Marutoji, I don't think he's been that good this year. But where's Courtney Laws? Yeah, well, where's Courtney Laws? I kind, of England. I kind of, I kind of agree with that. Because, yeah. If you were picking an England, well, if you were picking an England player, the I, I think England Big Courts has th- been. I think Big Courts has been better than Marrow. Starts this, three, this year. yeah, starts three tests, got his way to the you know the, the top job in England. Where, where is he? Who, who is doing this? Bring me their head. <laughs> um, yeah. I think I think Anton Dupont should get it. Is it just he a? Will. Yeah, he will. He, sh- he should do. Is it just an award? I mean, of course it's just an award, but is it just an award to raise the profile among casual watchers of rugby? I don't think so. Historically, it, it's a panel. It's like yeah. rugby writers and and journalists. That's why you should. Yeah, that's exactly why you need to listen to podcasts, particularly our podcast, and then you won't get nonsense like nonsense <laughs> views like that. There, there will be. I, I, I'm sure there will be some people that we know who have been on the panel voting, and uh, hey, everyone's entitled to an opinion. It, 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 I, but I think there's enough noise of the, the, the saying the sort of things we're saying to go. Yeah, I don't. I really don't think they're in tune with what's actually happened. Yeah, yeah. completely. The Karevi one just is, Kare- Karevi is, is bonkers. I'm not sure you can give any of the Saracens lads really World Player of the Year nomination. I mean, is it just for international? Just for international rugby. Yeah. And do the Lions count? 
Yeah, they will the do. International yeah. Test matches. Well, yeah, because you'd have to it'd be yeah. hard. It'd be hard to argue from Merrill because if if the lines didn't count because England <laughs> yeah. weren't particularly good in the Six Nations, yeah. and he's only played three games in the autumn. Who's the Irish Irish nominee? None. None. Really? Hey, yeah. so what? Judging today, though, Andrew Porter could have had a nomination if he plays like that week in, week out. Yeah, well, he was due to go to the Lions, but couldn't, obviously. What a game he had. Mm. He was absolutely awesome. Yeah, he's a freak. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did anyone watch that, that game today? No. Bits and bobs. I yeah. Legitimately turned it off when they did group breathing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they're not going to win. Uh, Argentina aren't going to win this. It looked this looks ominous. Off it went. Watch, watch, as watch soon as it looked like it was one sided, I, I just no, I'm, I'm not into it. We got spoilt yesterday by close games going down to the wire, and also just I mean, but Ireland to be oh, sorry for uh, Ireland to be fair to them have looked really good. They have, haven't they? Yeah, this they look legit. I was talking about. Uh, this in the pub last night as I was watching the France game this Six Nations is going to be monumental yeah monumental because the the weak teams well obviously Italy are still weak so you know they're, they're done but yeah. the weak team would be Scotland and they're not weak they're not weak they are not weak they're can not you imagine if it was Five weak. Nations how good it would be yeah it'd be yeah. awesome Wales are the current Grand Slam holders and then you've got well, okay. So let, let, let's do it that way. So, you've got so the weakest, weakest, and they are not weak. Is Scotland? Yep. Then you've got the Grand Slam holders, who no one was able to lay a hand on Wales last year. Then you've got three middling teams: England, France, and Ireland. Ireland. They're not middling teams. Ireland are playing their best rugby in years. They look this autumn. They did. They destroyed Japan. I thought it was Japan playing badly. No, it was Ireland playing immensely well. Then they destroyed the All Blacks, which yeah. was, I think, the scoreboard was not reflective of how dominant Ireland were, and then they've obviously put Argentina comfortably to the sword, and it's to a bad. Very, it's a very good Argentina team, and they're Ireland changing up their team a little bit as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Balakoon, Carberry coming in. Yeah, Casey on the bench. So that yeah, it's really exciting for Ireland. I, I like the cut of their jib, and what I really like again, we, I use the word balance with France. Is Ireland are, are, are having a go when it's on? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're offloading more. It's one of those with like with France, they know when to calm it down, put the boots for it, keep it up the jumper. But also, they recognise when it's on and they can play. Yeah. They want to play and they're willing to have a go. Yeah, it's um, it, when you think about it, it becomes very clear why South, South African rugby union wants a little bit more of Northern Hemisphere rugby, a little less of uh, Southern Hemisphere stuff. And you can see, you can see building up to Six Nations now exactly why that would be. Mm. Oh, the intensity of these games has been just, yeah, it's been incredible. Right, well, let's run this off. Uh, your final thoughts then of the autumn nation, not autumn nations, the autumn tours uh, as a success compared to pre- to previous years. Progressive. Well, st- uh, I'm glad it was in this order. Started out piss poor, ended the last two weekends. Absolutely epic. Yeah. Yeah. Spectacular. I'd go with that. And we're still getting plenty of Tier 2 stuff peppered in as well. Oh, yeah. I, I, I on, enjoyed it. On that, uh, it was a draw between Fiji and Georgia. 15 all. I'd love to have seen that. In Madrid. Yeah. I'd love to have seen that. Yeah, that would have been great. Uh, oh, yeah. And actually, as we're running run, run, uh, this off, are we making a decision yet about... Um, about Tier 2 Tour, Portugal or Spain? Have we got, any? Have we got the fixture list for Rugby Europe Championship 2022 yet? Last I checked... The um, no, but I will check again very soon. So I don't think it's been announced yet because I think there is still is there still another game for the Rugby Europe Championship 
No, not. Uh, Which weekend is Super Saturday? Uh, 17th uh, of May, March. Yeah, around that, around uh, Paddy's Day. Paddy's normally. Day. It is. Normally. It is. Because we're either in New York or Madrid or Bucharest. Well, or there's, a, there's an Irish pub everywhere. Yeah. Paddy's Day in Lisbon. And we might even, I don't know, I mean, if we do a tier two tour, might even dust off the boots, get Egg Chasers R, um, RFC <laughs> up and running <laughs> for a, a, friend, a friendly idea. game on the Friday night. That's a great idea. Over 35s only, allow me to score 20 to 30 tries, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just while, yeah, Phil, t- just while t- Phil's looking it up, um, Martin Coates emailed us, contacteggchasers at gmail.com. Uh, and ju- uh, following on from last week's podcast where we were talking about Wales Fiji, he said the reason Fiji play better with a man in the sin bin is because they just play as two teams of seven, two sevens teams. Perfect. <laughs> Love it. There you go. More but, natural. Yeah. Very good. Um, not announced yet. Right. Well, yeah. Watch this space, but Portugal versus Spain sounds like it might be perfect. The perfect. Although, only if it's on Super Saturday. Yeah. So, so rugby Europe Championship. If you want to have loads and loads of fans from the UK and around the world, on the last one to Madrid, yeah. we had we had uh, people coming from Chile. Yes. Yeah. In fact, that's one of the shirts we have got to get up in the dungeon. And Mexico. And Mexico. Kevin Doyle, long time listener, yeah, friend, yeah. friend of the pod, for a live amazing, podcast, had, amazing singer. For a live podcast, we had people flying in from America for the Chicago. day. Chicago, Chicago for the day. Yes, man. that was awesome. <laughs> madness. That's, that's madness. So yeah, if you want to get some proper rugby fans coming to your nation, Portugal, get your fixture against Spain on the Super Saturday weekend, please. Um, the reason why the fixtures have not been announced, I think, is because this year's tournament has not yet been concluded. It, conclu- it concludes on the 18th of December with the Netherlands versus Spain in Amsterdam. Amsterdam, and, you say? And then <laughs> presumably, presumably, um, at some point shortly after the, this year's tournament is concluded... It starts all over again. They, they can announce the fixtures for next year. Right. Okay, watch this space. Mm. Tier, tier 2 tour potential for March. Keep, keep, they keep that Paddy's Day weekend free. Yes. Ah, yes. Hopefully right, Tim, you take, this, you, right. You, you take this home. I'm going to get some whiskey glasses. Contact eggchasers at gmail.com. He's at jbeardmore. Uh, we're we're patreon.com forward slash eggchasers. If you haven't listened to the other podcast already, it will be in your feed uh, talking about OSJB's specialist subjects, scandal and local grassroots level rugby. It, it, he'll be in his element. He, he actually quite seemed to quite enjoy that, though, Phil. I've got to say. He d- yeah, so that was JB Hell. Yeah. Wait until he gets to JB oh, Heaven. Oh, this is going to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, get hit subscribe in the podcast feed wherever you get yours and let the boys play. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 